welcome to the latest episode of the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. It's been three months, but with the Premier League now given the green light to return, we can start to look forward to the end of this weird old campaign we've been in as United prep for a trip to London and Jose Mourinho's Spurs side at the end of next week. Plenty to discuss on top of that and a look at how the season's end could go. Kicking off things with first saying hello to my guest for the evening, it's Paul Gunning. How are we? I'm good, thanks. You and how are you? I mean, I say guest like you haven't been on like a hundred of these at this stage. You're not really a guest. <laughs> guest is fine. Oh, good. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks very much, mate. I, I do think, I just just before good. we kick off with this uh, football chat malarkey, just wanted to talk about something a little bit more serious. And there will be many serious things to talk about this evening. Uh, we wanted to say thank you to everyone who reached out to our good friend Rich Can for his message on uh, Twitter yeah. in the last week. Uh, we, we're still speaking with Rich and keeping in touch, you know, as as he mentioned himself, you know, he's going through some very difficult issues at the moment. And, you know, he has his good days and his bad days. We are hoping he's going to be able to get back onto the podcast at some stage. Obviously, no rush from our end, but we just wanted to express how grateful we all are for the love that you've all shown. It's been really, really nice. Absolutely, they meant about. Yeah, I mean, we've we've known Rich now for ooh, six years or so. We've been doing the podcast for about five of those, Paul, and you know, yeah. obviously with Kev involved in that and Harriet as well in the past, and uh, various other bits and bobs. You know, I think the three of us in particular found that we've all had incredibly rough periods during this, and I guess the consistency of actually being able to do a podcast with each other has really helped, hasn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, I, I certainly had a tough time, and there was a period where of quite a while, maybe a year or so, where I wasn't really on the pod at all. Um, and it wasn't just because United were, were being managed by Jose Mourinho and football was a business. You know, outside, things do obviously have an impact on, on, on your life. But then coming back to this relatively recently, it's just been fantastic. It's uh, it's basically just, you know, three guys having a chat, really, isn't it, um, about football. And, you know, that's what we do in real life anyway, to do it as a pod and, and for people to hopefully enjoy it is, uh, is a lovely feeling and... Yeah, um, Rich is a great guy. We'll certainly, I was saying to him earlier, actually, you know, while he's not on, I think we're missing his his insightful <laughs> eloquence. Uh, you have to put it with me, me bumbling away with uh, non- mainly nonsense. So, I mean, there have been people you've been used to that for years, mate. I wouldn't worry too much about that now. <laughs> it feels like it's a little bit yeah. late to start trying to temper that. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, for the last couple of months during uh, this lockdown period, uh, we've been going back through the treble, went back through the Premier League and the FA Cup and the Champions League runs. We did those two rivals episodes covering City and Chelsea. I mean, we thought we were going to get a couple more out before um, the football was actually able to continue. But here we are. Yeah. Now. You know, uh, we're going to be visiting the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in six days time to uh, renew rivalries and acquaintances with Jose Mourinho's Spurs side. Um, it all feels pretty exciting. You know, I've been watching a fair amount of football in other leagues, so I've watched a bit of the Bundesliga. I've been enjoying the Coppa Italia games over the last two nights. Uh, Napoli Inter has been quite an interesting one this evening. I mean, but it's going to feel so different and much more exciting when United get back into the fold, isn't it? It's going to be great. Um, I think you realise when something like this happens, you realise just how important um, not just football but sport and just entertainment is and. You'll get obviously people who sort of cheapen it, take, take cheap shots at it and say, well, you know, it's just a game, it's more important things in life. But this is a really important part of people's lives. And it, it provides relief and entertainment and fun, social lives and whatnot. So it's going to be great. Um, obviously, the, the season as a whole is so weird. Um, and it's, the circumstances that we're going to be returning to are going to be so weird. And there's, there's a part of it that feels it's all quite kind of surreal because it feels like that season's kind of finished but now it's starting again and 
And it would be Jose Mourinho, wouldn't it? It'd have to be him. So yeah, very odd, but yeah, really exciting. Yeah, I mean, during the last several months, I've kind of flipped feelings on a dime in the sense of, at times, I really couldn't have given less of a shit about what was going to happen for the rest of the season. Because what was happening, especially in Britain and you know all over the world in particular in terms of the actual virus itself has just been so overwhelming and consuming that you're just thinking well who cares if we finish in the champions league spots at this stage whenever football returns you know um, things haven't necessarily gotten any you know better in terms of how the country's been dealing with the virus in in britain and specifically england where we both live at the moment and you know obviously with the way the last few weeks have gone with the murder of george floyd and the sustained Black Lives Matter protests against systemic racism in the country. Obviously, you know, football just doesn't feel as important as it perhaps would normally. And that's okay. You know, there are more important things going on in the world anyway. And at any point, um, we send our full support and backing to every one of you that have taken part in the Black Lives Matter protests across the world. There are a lot of big emotive issues and things going on in the world right now. And the current political climate is different here, purely because you can't hide from these things anymore. And a stand does need to be taken. Having said that very important thing, I am still looking forward to United and Premier League football resuming next week. Ten games left of the Premier League season. We've got at least one game in the FA Cup and at least, you know, probably two in the in the Europa League. I'm assuming Lask aren't going to beat us 6-0 in the return leg. No, although the way 2020 is going... You know, who knows? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, it kind of feels like the, the world's on fire at the moment. It's been a very odd year. You know, I think football. I mean, it, it seems like a lifetime ago that there was the the, um, the racist chance in Bulgaria when England played. And you know, football itself has got uh, still got huge issues with racism. I mean, there aren't enough people of colour in positions of power and authority in football. You know, it managers even in the boardrooms and all that kind of thing. So, uh, it, it, you know, it, it is a distraction. Football's always been a distraction. It's going to be a lovely distraction, but, you know, it doesn't take away what is going on in the world. It would be great to see football kind of taking a stand and, lead, and leading the way. And they've obviously they've said they're going to put Black Lives Matter on the shirts, mm. on the league players, on, instead of their names, which is a great gesture. And I think it is a great gesture, but it's nowhere near enough. And, you know, we can't, this, this does feel different this time. You know, there's been so many black people killed, not just in America, by police and whatnot. And it, the time for sort of gestures is over. It's, it's fine as long as those gestures come with something more more solid and more stable uh, going forward, I think. So, yeah, it's going to be great to have United back. You're absolutely right. Watching other other countries and, and, and other teams is, is, is all well and good. But, you know, United are our team, aren't they? And, and also, I think, you know, we're starting to play really well under Solskjaer and, you know, with the new signing, Bruno Fernandes, and, you know, it was really starting to click into place, it seemed to me. So it'd be really interesting to see if we can pick up where we left off. Yeah, I mean, just going back to what you were saying, our friend Musa Kwanga was noting that it's quite the gesture by the Premier League, you know, even there's a sort of a, a face level to it, to actually look at what's going on in society and respond to that in somewhat of an appropriate way. Because, you know, mm. there is an element of it being something of a gesture for the sake of making a gesture but on the other side of that the premier league is you know one of this country's biggest exports in terms of absolutely you know symbol around the world you know millions of people watch the premier league football and to see premier league clubs and players taking that sort of stand i'm i'm pleased that 
this is the decision that the Premier League took. I thought, particularly if we're going to discuss this now before we start getting to actual football, I thought Rashford and Pogba came out with incredibly eloquent, very mature and very striking responses to what happened to George Floyd and you know what was initially going on in America, which is obviously spread now across the world yeah. and had more of an impact. Yeah, what's been, even before George Floyd's death and before all these protests, way before, you know, for, for quite a while now, I've been so impressed with, with particularly, you know, the young guys of colour really using their, their power and influence and speaking so eloquently, like you said about Pogba Rashford, you know, Raheem Sterling in particular really stands out for me and there's so many of them. And they're, they're you know, these are these these guys are people's heroes, you know, millions mm-hmm. of people's heroes and... So, yeah, it's been really heartening. I think that this this does feel like a young person's protest, you know. It's so it's difficult for us to talk about. It's difficult for everyone to talk about. I think, you know, we, you know, we, we are we're acutely aware that we're two white guys talking about this. And, yeah, that's all I've got to say. <laughs> it's true, so but we shouldn't let that scare us from talking about it. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, and I think in particular, you know, we're talking about... The fact that football is a great distraction. I also think in particular it will hold a mirror up to society. And in this instance, if you do have players protesting, you know, the incredible ineptitude of the government in this country in terms of the coronavirus um, response Mm. and also the Black Lives Matter movement, if we see them protesting, I hope they get backed to the full hilt by the regulatory boards, the FA, the Premier League, their clubs, wherever, they deserve the full backing for however they decide to protest because this is an unprecedented time and footballers are leaders in our society in a lot of ways and they should be allowed to express themselves. We can't just expect them to be automatons. I, you know, I guess we'll come back to this in a little while because you mentioned Rashford and I think he deserves a special mention, but let's chat about the football just for a little while. It's difficult to know what on earth to expect from almost every single team in and around us, really, isn't it? It really is, like, isn't it, yeah. Because every team's going to have a degree of a reset you know you look you look at the Premier League table as it currently stands as I'm just scrolling over on my phone to it at this exact moment in time we currently sit fifth uh three points behind Chelsea uh two behind Wolves and so two ahead of Wolves and then two ahead of Sheffield United who have that game in hand who will be kicking off this next uh period of fixtures on Wednesday night uh away to Aston Villa now Look at the teams in and around us that we still have to play and the teams that are still going for that top four space, you know, with competing with us and Chelsea at the minute. Obviously, we don't really know what's happening with Manchester City until next month in terms of their fate in the Champions League. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of teams at the minute scrapping for one spot. So you can say pretty much anyone from Chelsea in fourth to Arsenal maybe in ninth. There's a yeah. lot of teams there who have potential to hit a hard reset. You look at United, we didn't have Rashford, we didn't have Pogwill, we've got them both back. You look at Spurs, they didn't have Son Heung-min, he's returned now from his duty over in South Korea. They didn't have Harry yeah. Kane, he's come back. Yes, they're missing Deli Alley, but you would imagine that would give them a little bit of a boost. Wolves were still doing well before they uh, before we hit the skids on the lockdown. Sheffield United had that game in hand, and I don't imagine that's going to dampen their spirits too much. There's a lot of teams in and around there where you just don't really... We can't really predict too much about what we're going to see from them. We can only really go on what we saw prior to lockdown. Yeah, we can. And even then, it was a fairly unpredictable season, really, with quite a few sort of upsets and surprises. Um, I don't think anyone expected Liverpool to be quite so far ahead as, as they've ended up being. I don't think anyone expected Manchester City to have, by their stand, recent standards, you know, such a difficult season, um, such an inconsistent season. As for United, I mean, in a, it sounds so, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but, you know, the, the, the lockdown happened at a really terrible time for us because 
you know, we really did seem to be picking up great momentum. Then again, you mentioned Pogba and Rashford being back, and that could be a huge boost. I and mean, it would be a huge boost for any team. It's, you know, provided, obviously, they're both you know, fully fit and provided Solskjaer can get the best out of them and, and get the, the blend of the team right, you know, the first team selections right, then they could make a massive, massive difference to the, the top four um, challenge. So, yeah, really unpredictable. I think you mentioned Wolves and they've got such a small squad and they were playing so brilliantly but they, they, they were starting to look a bit tired and this, this could have done them the world of good actually. Yeah, it's going to be, I think, pretty tight. I don't think Arsenal will do it. I think it's between... <laughs> I don't know. It's really like, I really can't predict it. I think I've never, I've never been convinced by Chelsea all season and I'm still not. So I think Wolves or, or, or us. I mean... <sighs> We look at, you know, you're talking about how the lockdown, you know, obviously it came at a terrible period for everyone. If obviously, here's a disclaimer, so we don't have to bring it up again. The inconvenience of lockdown is not really inconvenience. It's been a completely horrible period across yeah. the globe. And few countries have been badly affected due to political ineptitude <laughs> than Britain. And yeah. obviously, well, hearts go out to everyone who's been directly affected by that. Having said that, lockdown did not come at a good time for United season in the sense that it just completely stopped the momentum we were building, having purchased Bruno Fernandes. You know, I mean, we look back at the signings, those two signings that we made, and they were just starting to really hit their stride. You know, Agallo had come in and scored four goals, obviously starting in a couple of cup competitions. Fernandes was providing that creativity and ability to create chances out of nothing that we'd so sorely missed ever since Pogba had gotten injured we look like a side reinvigorated and especially missing two of our biggest players probably our two most talented outfield players initially at the time in in the forms of Rashford and Pogba to have been able to turn the season around to this degree to be looking forward to potential of a a trip to Wembley for the semi-final to the FA Cup getting through to the last eight of the Champions of the Europa League Champions League listen to me um (laughs) Getting through to the last uh, eight of the Europa League and pushing for that top four spot, it, you know, it, it, it could potentially turn a what was a pretty terrible season by all accounts around Christmas time into a really encouraging one and give us a really good platform for which to build on over the next couple of years. And I think in particular, you look at the first two games that we've got, it's a bit of a tall order. You know, visiting Spurs is, especially with the fact that Mourinho's in charge, he will not want to get done over the way that he did at Old Trafford in December. That's going to be a really filthy game. And I know that Spurs were really, really struggling for the last several months under Mourinho and the mood in the team seemed pretty bad. He didn't seem to be enjoying it. It looked like he'd already gone through to second slash third season meltdown Mourinho in record time. So you do wonder just how much over the last three months he's been able to sit back Part of me doesn't expect this is going to be the same Spurs size that we were seeing back in March. Uh, see, I'm not so sure. It never felt like a good fit, Mourinho at Spurs. I don't know. It, it, it felt it's, from day one. It felt like Lee, Daniel Levy just basically trying going for the biggest name. Well, we need to win trophies. Who who always wins trophies? Jose Mourinho. Um, but for Mourinho, it felt like um, well, no one else wants me kind of thing. There's no big clubs after me anymore because of the ways sort of behaved over the years they just don't fit together and the football was poor the, like you said morale just looked absolutely abysmal and I don't think that's going to change I don't think it's ever going to change I just think A I think Mourinho is a bit of a busted flush 
players that he's got at his disposal. I just don't think they want to play for him already. It's, it was always a baffling situation, him going there. <clears throat> I don't think it's any less baffling now. I think United are just quite a bit better than them, really, I think, um, just in terms of the squad. And as long as we can kind of pick up from where we left off in terms of morale and team spirit and all that kind of thing. I'm not worried about this game. It's <laughs> Famous Spurs. last words there. La- lads, it's Spurs. You um, know? <laughs> I mean, I would love to have that confidence in the situation. I would just like to carry out that, by the way, just so, sorry to interrupt, but obviously, again, you know, we, with no idea how each individual team and each individual player is going to react to this situation, going back to play football in the circumstances, behind closed doors, all that kind of thing. So, as we said earlier, nothing is predictable whatsoever. So I can sit here and confidently, confidently predict that we're going to beat Spurs, but who actually, yeah, who knows? No, I mean, all we can really go on is previous form and how the yeah. team has looked to our naked eye based on what we see from training and photos and videos, yeah. etc. And from that perspective, at least, United seem to be in good shape. You know, everyone yeah. is fit. Pretty much everyone is ready to play again. Rashford looks happy. Pogba seems to be knuckling down. I mean, we knew he would anyway, so that's not really that much of a surprise. You know, I'm excited to see how Fernandes and Pogba play together, you know, and what sort of formation Solskjaer goes for. And With Rashford ahead of them as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get the sense that Solskjaer knows, is, understands the importance of what's going on here and what he needs to provide to make sure that this team can actually give us a big springboard in which to finish off this season. You know, I mm-hmm. think he understands the importance of these next two games. I and, will do, yeah. Yeah, well, I think he knows that, you know, we, we had a, he mentioned this before. He's right. We did have a big start to the season with that game against Chelsea right at the beginning of the, you know, it feels like a long time ago now. But, it? you know, he understood the importance of getting United to play well. Yeah, we got a little bit lucky, but we still pr- proved in a bit, we still offered a big performance. And, you know, big game performances aren't typically what Solskjaer has struggled for. It's more been games against the quote-unquote lower-end opposition that's, you know, been the biggest banana skins for him in his United career so far. So perhaps there is an argument to say that, you know, these first two games, perhaps it's better that they are quote-unquote bigger matches because typically those are the ones where Solskjaer gets the best performance out of his United side. Yeah, they are. And although I do think... I remember saying loads of times over the course of the season, you know, I always sort of believed in Solskjaer. There have been a couple of times when I really started to get kind of the jitters a little bit. One one was the Newcastle game quite early on in the season, really, and then particularly the, the home game against Burnley. And it wasn't so much Solskjaer, it was the board, it was the, it was the Glazers, and I just felt like we needed, desperately needed a creative midfielder. Obviously, Pobble was injured for so much of the season, we didn't have one. And then Fernandez came in, and hey, presto, we're creating so many more chances. And we didn't struggle so much. We didn't only we played that many smaller teams with Fernandez, but you know we just looked like a different team with him in it. And so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, he did hit the ground running, didn't he? He, he strikes me as the kind of player who will hit the ground running. You know, when we go back now, sometimes I, I, you know when you look at attack, Fernandez, Pogba, Rashford, Martial. I can't remember any of other players now. <laughs> Dan James, Odion Agalo. Agalo, yeah. You know, it's a pretty decent attack. Mason Greenwood, do you remember that lad? You know, Mason Greenwood, yeah. Yeah. Young so lad scores loads of goals. That's who I was trying to think of, Mason Greenwood, because I think Dan James is, you know, Dan James will have benefited from the lockdown, definitely. Because he, he looked absolutely exhausted. He did, yeah, yeah. You know, you're right about Fernandez as well. He looked like he was playing like a player who had waited for this move all of his life and was determined yeah. to grab the opportunity by the scruff of the neck. And it's been lovely to see him be number one as effective, but number two enjoying it as much as he has. 
Absolutely. And there's plenty of players that are going to, you know, benefit from this break in particular as well, you know, in terms of getting their fitness back and getting some shots back and getting some rest. And, you know, mentioning Igali as well. Igali is now going to be with us until the turn of 2021. And I mm. got to admit, I think that's a great piece of business from United. You know, you It really is. I get that there's, you know, I've seen lots of people denouncing it and saying that it's a terrible move and it shows a complete lack of ambition from United. But initially, when this came through at the end of January, we're all thinking, well, it's low risk, isn't it? If he gets a couple of goals, great. If he doesn't, then we haven't spent a lot of money. He scored four. That's that's maybe two more than I expected him to get. And he's actually proven himself to be able to adjust to the demands of Premier League football to jumping up such this level from going from the Chinese Super League quite well. And not only that, socially he seems to have fitted in incredibly well too. You know, it's again, he's incredibly grateful to be playing for United, obviously a big fan. And he seems to have slotted into the squad and helped to harmonise things even more so than before, which is great. It's win-win for United. We've got another six months of a proven goal scorer. It means that we haven't got to flog Mason and Martial or Rashford too much as well. So to me, I don't see any negatives with it. No, me neither. He's, he certainly became a fan's favourite very quickly as well. I guess a lot of that was because of his interviews off the pitch. But then when he when he came when he started playing, you know, you could just see his commitment was absolutely one hundred percent. And he's he's a very different kind of player to Martial and, and even Rashford. You know, he's a lot more direct. You know, you want as many options as you can have, really. And sometimes I think the reason we got Igalo was because whoever Solskjaer had identified, obviously Haaland was top top of his list wasn't available. They mm. didn't want to go and just buy the next best thing or, you know, a, a consolation prize. So we got Agarlo for initially six months now, obviously till January. And in the meantime, hopefully something else will come up. So I think it's really shrewd business. And, you know, we've tried buying superstars over the last few years since Ferguson retired. And sometimes superstars, as good as they might be as a player, if they don't fit in, the, in into the team, and into the ethos of the club, it's not worth the money. So I think Solskjaer's really shown that that's his philosophy now, and and, and you know, I think it, it works. Mm, yeah, I mean, again, it's nice to have another option considering how many games United are going to be playing. You know, if we take yeah. a look at the fixture list, just before the end of this month, and considering we are now in the middle part of June now, next Friday we've got Spurs away. Five days later, we'll be hosting Sheffield United at home. Three days That's later, crazy, we'll be it? off. Yeah, I know. Three days later, we'll be off to Carroway to play Norwich in the FA Cup. And then mm. three days after that, we'll be going down to Brighton to play them at the Amex in the league. So, yeah, four games over the space of 12 days, that is. So, yeah, I think, number one, I'm glad that the squad is rested. Number two, I'm glad we've got a few more players at our disposal than we had uh, six months ago. You know, it, it's it, it's going to be tricky. You know, I mean, it, it's good that we've got these five substitutions so we don't have to worry too much about completely flogging these players. But I think it's going to be a massive adjustment. You know, there's a lot of football to be played. And not even getting into the fact that United are still in three competitions. You know, we've got... A really interesting FA Cup quarterfinal time coming up against Norwich. You know, you know, as the third game back after lockdown, and again, I'm really excited for that one. Obviously, the context changes a little bit because coming into that game, had we continued the season from March onwards, I wouldn't have worried too much about it because I feel United have got so many weapons at the minute that they could have done a good job, despite the fact that they knocked Spurs out in the previous round. And then you've also got to bring the Europa League into the equation, which comes into action in August. We've still got to finish off that last tie. And then 
from what we know from the reports, it seems to be that we're going to be doing a knockout sort of tournament with the last mm. eight, which would presumably feature the likes of Inter Milan as well. So there's a lot still to be decided this season, a lot of football left to play. And having options like Igalo and Greenwood and Rashford and Martial and having flexibility to know that we don't have to play in 4-3-3 all the time. We could try 4-4-2 mm. or we could go back to our 3-5-2. Solskjaer's got options and Absolutely. having players like Igalo who can provide us with something different, who can hold the ball up well, who can get in with the nitty-gritty in the penalty area and slot home confidently. I'm feeling good about what United could offer for the next couple of months. You know, I'm Definitely. Obviously, obviously, there's so much unknown, but I think there's still a lot to be excited about as well. Yeah, there is. And I think you mentioned the last game. That's kind of a, a bit of a gimme, really, isn't it? I mean, we, we can go over there with the kids, really. There obviously is going to be a big fixture power-up, but there is for, for most for most clubs. and that yeah, Everyone's in the same boat, aren't they? Yeah, and I think that last game, it's, it's, we could send the kids out, and I, I would seriously expect United to still proceed to the next to knockout phase. So, uh, And even with Agarlo, you know, I mean, even if he came back in his form completely nosedived, not really lost that much, have we? You know, so it for me it just feels like a win-win situation. It's a win for the player because he's playing for his, his, you know, his dream club. It's a win for the fans because because we all really like him. It's a win for the for the club because you know that it's not a long-term commitment. No, exactly. Right, time for a quick break and a chance to tell you that this week's episode is being brought to you in association with the Pitch Sport app. With English football's return just a few days away, it's a perfect chance to configure your own starting elements, predict some scores and rate players from across the Premier League, all while competing with your friends. So head over to the Apple app or Google Play stores and search for Pitch Sport to get involved. Speaking of the Europa League as well, I mean, we have still got that second leg against last to play, obviously five and up from the previous one. Looking at the teams that we could still face, now Getafe have got Inter Milan, so that tie has not actually been played yet. Shakhtar have got Wolfsburg, Leverkusen beat Rangers 3-1 at Ibrox prior to lockdown, so they probably should finish that one off. Wolves v Olympiakos, that's still to be played, that's 1-1 with Wolves having the away goal, having got that goal in Greece. There's Basel v Frankfurt, Uh, Basel won the first one 3-0. There's Roma v Sevilla, which has not been played at all yet, and then Copenhagen versus Istanbul, Basak Sihir. There are some teams to be picked out from that lot, you know, Inter, Roma, and probably Leverkusen are the ones that really stand out from that bunch at the minute. So there are some difficult teams there. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would make sense if we... I don't want ever want to play Wolves again. Seventeenth time for the last. <laughs> but I mean, I genuinely oh. think they 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 are obviously taking it very seriously. They've played really well in the competition, Wolves, and um, yeah, I think they've got a chance. I think they've got a really good chance. So yeah, there are a few decent teams. I mean, they, they, it does it does feel a little bit like it's written in the stars that we're playing to Milan in the final. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, because of it. They've obviously got so many of our ex-players. So, yeah, who, know, who knows? Well, I mean, would it make you feel any better to say I watched a fair chunk of Napoli v Inter Milan tonight and both uh, Lukaku and Sanchez didn't look very good? It doesn't surprise me at all. And <laughs> I was saying to you before, I just don't think... Because you mentioned earlier that Lukaku's first touch was still awful. And I just don't think he can... He, I don't think his first touch is coachable. I think he's... 
doomed to have a, an abysmal first touch for the rest of his life. So yeah, I, I mean, I really don't miss the car. He just never fit. For, he never fitted in United for me. All right, so let's have a think back. Sorry, forward to uh, Spurs in the week. What are you expecting from United in that game? Do you think Solskjaer is going to go for it, or are we thinking? Knowing Mourinho will be desperate to put one over on us, not just for their you know hopes of a top four finish, but just in general because that's the sort of person he is. Um, are you expecting United to go out for a four three three or four four two to bring out the best in the Pogba and Fernandez combination, or go a bit more defensive with maybe a three five two? Really difficult to predict. I think United. Will, I can't see us starting like a train like we did against City away. I think we'll probably just feel them out. I think probably both teams will. Start reasonably slowly, just sort of kind of feeling each other out to see what what what's what kind of thing, how the fitness is, and all that kind of thing. So, but then I think United, if if we do get the sense that Spurs are there for the taking, I think I don't think Solskjaer will hold back, particularly given the the attacking players we've got. Formation wise, I think he'll probably stick with four three three. Although I wouldn't mind seeing Fernandez and, and Pogba both, in, you know, playing alongside each other in midfield. So. Yeah, really tricky to predict, but I think United will probably end up going for it. Like I said earlier, I just I think we're better than Spurs. I don't know. I think a four-three-three leaves us potentially vulnerable if Pogba and Fernandez aren't disciplined. Because yeah. who do you leave as the sort of the pivot in that midfield three? Do you leave Matic in there? You know, he is arguably the least mobile of all of our midfield options. So, Fred? I, I mean, potentially, yeah. But again, is He's not necessarily great as a holding midfielder, really, is he? He's more box to box than anything else. So, McTominay, I mean, it's the thing we've suddenly got quite a lot of options, haven't we? Because Matic was playing really well as well. Hmm. When, you know, after he got back from, it seemed like he was going to be going. And then he he had this really fantastic run of form. Had a renaissance. Yeah, a renaissance. And and then obviously McTominay came back from injury. So suddenly we've got quite a lot of options. Hmm. And it is difficult, you know. It's a, it's a great as managers always. It's one of the old cliches in the book, but it's a nice headache to have, isn't it, for a manager? Yeah, you look at the the team in general. You know, you mentioned Matic over the the period from January to March. A lot of players who had been having you know seasons that could be best described as icky were yeah. really um, encouraging. You know, they were yeah. really performing consistently. You know, Maguire had really taken on the mantle of captain after Ashley Young had left for Inter. And yeah. he was properly convincing again. You know, he struggled, especially towards the sort of the winter period to... He just looked like he was struggling to organise that defence and he didn't look switched on. You know, he looked like mm. he was just a split second behind the play. Almost trying too hard, wasn't he? Yeah. And then you look at the fact that Luke Shaw, again, has had a pretty good period himself. Oh, He's come amazing. back into the, the fold. Just want to point this out. You were saying that Marcos Rojo would be a better option than Luke Shaw. Do you remember that a couple of months ago? Because I do, Paul. I remember it. I don't, don't think that was me, mate. I think that was someone else. You must be getting me confused with someone else. I mean, it wasn't rich. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know what I meant. I was... I was <laughs> pro, pro. Would you want Rocco back right now? I don't know. Listen, I do really like Rocco. I prefer Rocco. I've always preferred Rocco as a centre-back to a left-back. I don't think he's a very good left-back at all. But oh, he's a rubbish left-back. No, I wouldn't want him back. Luke Shaw, and I'm so pleased to be saying this, but Luke Shaw, certainly over the last couple of months of this, this season, before lockdown, really shut me up and that, I'm so pleased to say that because mm. it's great. To, you know, he's always had fantastic potential in it and it, I was always quite sad that that injury seemed to just completely derail him. And I'd just like to say as well that a lot of people say that Solskjaer can't coach players, but I think you're absolutely right. We've seen improvements in so many players. 
including Rashford and, you know, so many players this season. You know, surely the manager, Solskjaer, and his coaching staff must have something to do with that. I think it's really encouraging to see so many players thriving. And like you say, stepping up when, when the chips seem to be really, really down. Um, when, you know, Pogba was out, Rashford was out, missing so many big players. These other players who have been on the fringes slightly really stepped up and, and seemed to kind of be playing for their United careers. And that's fantastic to see. Mm. Martial and Rashford are both on course to hit over 20 goals this season. Yeah, which is fantastic. And, it's brilliant. Yeah, neither of them have managed that before in a United shirt. Martial's best season for United was that first year, sorry, the second season under Van Hal. And, I think and he's been getting so much 16. grief as well. He's been getting yeah. so much grief from, from so many sections. Well, from some sections, you know, you've obviously got, with Martial, you've got like Martial FC and, and then like people who seem to despise him. And, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere, a bit, I, I really like him, but, I do, you know, it can be very frustrating. But you're absolutely right. He's had a fantastic season. And I think, you know, considering that the United careers have in some ways really been tied to each other in terms of how successful they could have been, uh, it, 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 I'm really excited to see the two in yeah. the back again. You know, I think they've both shown periods where they have had to step up without the other one available. But naturally, based on what we know of them, and especially what we're seeing this season, they work so much better together than they do alone. And I'm really keen to see how they can, you know, how Rashford can get on with Bruno, how... Yeah, the two of them and Pogba and Fernandes can dovetail together. United have got so much creativity and so many options and so many great players. If we can marry this all together, we've got a side that could really do something interesting, which is mad again when you think about it. We've said this several times this season, but the fact that there's even an option for this season to actually end on something of a high note is incredible. On the flip side of that, if we don't get our shit together, it could be terrible. You know, people have spoken about the fact that United could really get themselves up into the chance of, you know, competing for the Premier League title much quicker, fast track it, because we have money available to buy players at the minute that other clubs just don't have. And, you know, there's still plenty of talk about Jaden Sancho. Obviously, you would assume that's somewhat dependent on Champions League football. But at the same time, United are well placed to be able to cope with this much better than other clubs. And if they're able to, you know, either get top four or win a win the Europa League and maybe the FA Cup on top of that, that's going to really stand them in good stead going into the next couple of seasons. And who knows, we could be bridging that gap between us and City and Liverpool a lot quicker than we thought as a result. Right, cutting it a bit short this week due to a few audio issues, so sorry about that. But it's great to be back properly and preparing to talk about regular football again. It's been a while. I hope you're all keeping well at the moment. Um, Fingers crossed, you know, it can provide a fun distraction over the next few months. Now, if you're listening to us on iTunes, if you wouldn't be so kind, it'd be wonderful if you could leave us a rating and or review because you know they help for a show of our size. And don't forget, you can also find the podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify too. And you can find our good selves on Twitter at Red Voices MUFC, Paul at Paul Gunning One, and me at Ewan Leonard. Last but not least, head over to the Pitch Sport app via Google Play or Apple App Stores. Prepare for the resumption of English football with your own starting 11s, challenge your friends, and rate each player from Wednesday onwards. We'll be back after Friday's game with Spurs. All the best. Take care. Bye bye.